Romans 8, kind of a creative way this morning. Uh, if you've opened your Bibles there, uh, you're right there in the text that we're going to be in, verses 1 through 17. There's a quote that I put right there on the very top of your notes. If you'll turn over your worship guide, if you're not already there, you might circle it with your pen or whatever, but it's a, it's a great statement. It says, in the mountain peaks of Christianity, Romans 8 stands above the rest. Great scholars and theologians for centuries have declared and have debated and studied Romans 8. For so many, they say it possibly might be the most powerful chapter in all of Scripture. That's a bold, audacious statement. I love Romans 8. One time here, years ago, I taught through the book of Romans, and I skipped Romans 8, and then I came back and did a series just on Romans 8. And this is so different from the series that I did years ago. But it's like Romans 8 just really kind of stands alone because it has so much punctuation and exclamation for our lives. It's, it's just gospel. It's just pure and it's beautiful. And as I look at this, I'm reminded that there's no one righteous. No one. We're all hostile to God, says the Word of God. That the Bible says in Romans 5, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can I have a big amen there? While you and I were just in our sin, dead in our trespasses, Christ dies for the ungodly. And then the Bible says that he comes near and that he rescues us, redeems us in his son, Jesus Christ. That we can be slaves to sin, we have a choice, or we can be slaves to righteousness. And Romans 8 talks about those two contrasts. And then he would say to us, but... I'm calling you, Christ is. He's calling you and me to be slaves, to be mastered by holiness, by the righteousness of him. In chapter 7, though, to appreciate chapter 8, you have to study, you have to read chapter 7, so I encourage you to read that soon. And in chapter 7, he goes through this whole thing about he does the things that he doesn't want to do, and he seems not to be powerless, and he just doesn't seem to be able to overcome, and, and the battle, the battle is fierce, and the battle's going on. Do anybody, does anybody here, do you feel like there's a battle for your soul? You're saved, you're regenerated, you're in Christ, but you still have a battle. Would you just raise your hands high if you still have a battle? If everybody didn't raise your hand, you're dead. You are dead. You're like, no, I'm not dead. I walked in the door. No, you're spiritually dead. If you're not in a battle, see, when you belong to the other side, when you belong to the enemy, when Satan has rule in your life, you're dead. And there's really not a battle. He's already won. But when you come and submit and surrender to Jesus, man, that battle gets fierce. And let me just tell you this. The Bible says don't presume to be teachers because you're going to be judged more highly. And when you have ministry in your landscape and, and, and those kind of things, and you follow hard after Christ, and the battle intensifies. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Because one day we shall labor from our rest if we've been faithful in this life. The inner sanctum of Christianity is Romans 8. Matter of fact, I want you to do something for the next three weeks. Would you do something for the next 21 days with me? I love that. Some, I love being busy. Yeah. You don't even know what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to give all your money and lay it down now. No, 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 no. I'm going to ask you to do something. This, this could change your life and mine for the next 21 days, and today would be the first. I want you to read Romans 8 every day. Write it down. Right now, in your, you say, I don't write. Write today. Write on there. I'm going to start reading Romans 8 every day. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Out loud. Read it out loud. 
God's kingdom is a verbal kingdom. And when we speak the word of life, it's powerful. We've had intercessors, Becky and her team for years, that have prayed the word. They've spoken the word out loud over our church now for years. And I'm asking every believer, I'm asking people that are watching right now online, live stream, people that are uh, going to watch it later this week, people that are here, would you read Romans 8 every day for 21 days? Will you do that, church? Because I believe that it has the power to transform us. I have a, you might, somebody might say, well, Pastor, you got a little different Bible. Well, I'm a preacher. My tools are Bible, so I have lots of Greek, Hebrew, every translation. I mean, they come out in a new translation. I'm like an alcoholic in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a package store. I go in there, I go, oh, I need one. That's probably a poor example. I'm sorry. But I go, I need one. And I go, I go get another one. Well, this is one I bought years ago. It's called the NIV, the message. It's the parallel Bible. So it has these two translations. The only thing I thought about as I was thinking about using this Bible for this series is I realized the print is really, really small. When I bought this Bible, my eyes were much, much better. So, but look at him in verse 8. Just listen. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, and that what it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. And then I just want to go over and read those four verses or so out of the message. It's a little different twist. He's a Greek scholar, Eugene is, but I want you to hear this because you've, you've probably read that and you've heard that, but I want you to hear this. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. I love that. He says, a new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a fasted lifetime or a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular, and when he sent his own son, he didn't deal with a problem with something remote and unimportant in his son, Jesus. He personally took on the human condition, he entered the disordered mass of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was, was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver it, is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. This is not a earn your salvation uh, you know, get out of jail, free card. This is the work of Christ. His holiness, his righteousness, Christ's energy, his power, his spirit dwelling in you and me, working out our salvation. When, when the Bible says work out your salvation with trembling and fear, it doesn't mean go earn it. It means express it. Let the power of God flow through your life. Does anybody want to do that besides me here today? Do you want Christ to overflow tributaries of living waters, the scripture tells us over in the gospel of John. But you know, we have a lot of Bible information. You know, for 32 years as a pastor, I've been spouting and sharing and teaching and preaching the word of God. I presume I'll do it all the days of my life. I draw my last breath. I think that last word I hope will be Jesus. Jesus.
It's my first word when I get up in the morning, Jesus. But we have a lot of information. I'm saying, God, help us not to just be hearers, but be doers. But let's look at this outline together. I want you to see this. Fill in the first blank. There's no condemnation. Man, y'all, I, I read this. Every time I read it, I've been reading this for decades, and I've read it multiple times this week. No condemnation. Have you ever been in condemnation? You ever lived under the rule of condemnation? And guilt and overburden and weakness and doubt and just paralyzing? And yet, when I read Romans, I go, this is what God has done. It's not what you and me have done or even attempted to do. It's what God's done in his son. He's provided, as Eugene said a minute ago, not a Band-Aid, but he provided healing, redemption, restoration. How about you? You ever gotten a cut and you go in there and you use a Band-Aid and the Band-Aid's not big enough and then you go and get a bigger Band-Aid and finally you just fill up the Band-Aids with blood and you go, man, this stinks. And then your wife says, okay, smart one, you should go get stitches. This is going to call for more than a Band-Aid. You know what a butterfly is? You ever, anybody ever had a butterfly? Matter of fact, this just hit me. I think, I think it'll make a great point, and, and it'll let you know why I'm so gifted not. Okay, here we go. That wasn't funny. Okay, here we go. When I was a little kid, my mom had been killed a couple years before, and my aunt came to live with us, and she was a golfer, and I was not. I was a baseball player. And I went out, and I got our golf clubs one day, and I got on the, we lived in Delray on this big corner lot, and we had zoysia grass, real, like a putting green. It was beautiful. And I got out there. I knew nothing what I was doing, like today, on playing golf. And I got out there, and I started swinging. The boy across the street, Calvin, decided he would come over and see me. He said, what you doing? I said, man, I am swinging the club. I'm trying to figure this game out. And, and he said, could I have a swing? I said, sure, you could have a swing just as soon as I finish. And I swung a few more, and then I gave him the club. And I don't know what happened. He didn't do it on purpose. It was an accident. But he swung, and when he did, he caught your pastor right here in the head. Yeah, that's what I said, too. Oh. And I have a, a scar right down the side of my head where he caught me. He laid me open. And I fell down. He thought, I've killed the boy. And then I got up, and I ran in the house. And I remember doing this right here. And I ran. I said, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. He goes, what? I said, Calvin hit me with a golf club. And my brother started laughing. He goes, that's hot. That's funny. And when he did that, I thought, forget you, bro. And I did that, and I let go, and blood spouted all over him. But I remember, I probably should have gone to the doctor. That might have helped me. But somehow, I was able to convince my dad, Dad, I don't want to go to the doctor. No, no, I've had enough doctors. You know, I've already been put that back together as a nine-year-old. And they butterflied. But let me just tell you, butterflies aren't real good when you got, I have this permanent scar. Anyway, anyway but I'm just so glad that Jesus takes care of our sin. And it's not a Band-Aid approach. It's complete. It's redemptive. It's rest restorative. So the devil makes accusations all the time. You and I get accused. The, the Bible says Satan is an accuser of the brethren, of the sisters. He accuses us. He wants us to fall guilty and to move away from faith. And he brings condemnation, and we fight condemnation, and we feel bad about condemnation. And sometimes we lay in the bed. I know I do, and I bet you do. And you lay in the bed, and you think about the things you've done and the things you've not done, and the sins of omission and the sins of commission. And you just go, Lord, I'm never going to win this battle. Man, this is the theme of the week. My flesh, my flesh, I'm losing. Does anybody ever deal with that, me? Yeah, well, okay. You know, about 20 of you, 20% are honest. Okay, hallelujah. Okay. But here's what I'd say if I could preach for hours. But in Christ, we exchange condemnation. And Jesus said there's no more judgment. There's no condemnation. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. 
I could just hang on that one verse, but I've got to move through some other verses. But it's just powerful, and I want you to dig on it. We get delivered. We get set free from the law. We're not condemned. Look, look here. In Adam, I am condemned. In Christ, I am justified. In Adam, you and I, we're born with a sin, a damnic nature. We are sinners. Can't dress that up. Sinful. Humanity. But in Christ, pointing to Jesus, we're justified. The big word is justification. Just as if you and I never sinned, covered by the precious blood of the Lamb. That is the best news I'll ever give you is the gospel of Jesus. A lot of people want to hang out on condemnation and tell us how worthless and how pitiful we are. I don't know about you. I already know I'm vile and wicked and sinful, and I need to be reminded, but I need to hear some good news, and I need to hear about the cleansing and the purity and the power of the gospel. How about you, church? There's justification in Christ, and I love that. So we, we, Christ gathers together that which was fragmented. See, before Christ, and even after you follow Christ, you still struggle with the sin nature, and you're fragmented, and you're messed up. And Christ makes it right, and he makes us new. So we're in Christ Jesus. Today, I wore white. I don't usually wear white for a reason. It's really tough. I, I want to apologize to people watching right now on the web, okay? White, it's tough on camera. It just is. But I wore white for a reason. White represents the righteousness of Jesus. Although your sin and my sin be as red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Aren't you glad that Jesus makes you and I clean, that we have a right standing with him? I was looking around, a few of you have white shirts on, you're like, well, that's why I wore a white shirt today, because I'm holy. Well, probably not. It's probably the only thing you had clean. But anyway, but we'll, 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 we'll give you that, okay? You know what else it means when you don't get condemned, you get justified? You don't stand before Christ as a judge that he judges you for your sin and to be condemned and punished because that's already been put on Jesus. Christ has already taken on the perpetuation, the punishment, the chastisement for your sin and mine that's that's gospel that's grace but what he does jesus says just write this down side note he says everyone will stand before the bema the judgment seat of christ everyone you don't get to stand with your husband or your wife or your kids or your pastor or your best friend or whoever you get to stand by yourself but christ is your advocate but when we stand before the bema seat it's basically it's the issue of rewards lost and won that we cast back at the feet of jesus so i don't want to scare you i just want to tell you what the bible says there is there is a judgment for believers but it's not the great white throne judgment it's this judgment that we're rewarded and that's why i always encourage you to live faithfully for christ in this life you have things to go ahead you put in your account of eternity and god pays eternal dividends i don't know if you've looked at any of your statements lately sometimes they do good some months they do poorly jesus always does great those things done for Christ. Lord, we're grateful for you. So there's no condemnation, only those that are in Christ. There's no, in, in the Old Testament, let me tell you what this is. In the Old Testament, to be in the ark was to be safe, to be righteous. In the New Testament, the day we live, to be in Christ is to be safe, is to be redeemed, is to be protected by God. You, you got to read all Romans to really understand it. But there's a, a quote, what we can't attain, our God can attain. I can't attain perfection. I've tried. I fail miserably. Has anybody here ever tried to just suck it up and perform for God? Yeah. You know what it leaves? Incredible frustration, misery, guilt, condemnation. And then I go, Christ, you're perfect. I look to you. I trust you. 
I ask you to row me. I, I want to follow you. I want to follow, as we'll see in a minute, we, we appreciate the love of the Father's heart for us. We absorb his love. We, we are forgiven much. All through this, and, and, and moving down to verse 5 here, he talks about, look at this, those who live according to the sinful nature, they have their mind set on what their nature desires. That's the ones that don't know Christ. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, their minds are set on what the Spirit desires. This morning, it's real simple. What do you desire today? Pastor, I'll be honest, there's some simple thoughts. I have simple thoughts too. I battle them. It's the flesh and the Spirit. They battle. You know who wins? What you feed. Are you feeding your spirit? That's why I say it about every way I know how. But if you don't become a person in this book, you're not going to grow in Jesus. Can, can I say that any simpler? If you don't become a person of the Word of God, you're not going to grow in your faith. You've got to become a student. You don't have to go to Bible college and a seminary or whatever. You just have to begin to read the Word. You have the best teacher. You have a better teacher than I ever had at Emory. You have the Holy Spirit. How many think the Holy Spirit's the number one teacher of all time? I do. Boy, he convicts like nobody too. But he changes and he leads us in all manner of truth. So I ask you to go there and say, Lord, I, want, I don't want to be dominated by my sinful nature. I want to be dominated and controlled by the Spirit of Christ. Have, have you ever noticed before you came to Christ, you were dominated by sin? You probably didn't notice it, but you were. And somehow sin was really fun. And then you came to Christ and Christ gave you a new nature, and he put his spirit within you. And sin quit being as fun. There was this inner voice. There's this inner gnawing. It's called conviction. And you didn't want to get away with it, or you couldn't get away with it. And you just felt like, man, this is, this is tough. This used to be fun to do these behaviors, and I'll let you fill out the behaviors. But now I'm in Christ, and I'm not condemned, and Christ wants to lead me in the path of righteousness and holiness, and he wants me to follow after him. So look right here. It, it just basically says the five things, or let me, let me jump down. Uh, I just realized I did something in my notes, but that's okay. Jump down under the box. To set the mind on the flesh is death. When you and I set our mind on the fleshly desires, the carnal, the appetites of our body, it just means death. It just means being hopeless. It means being hostile, alienated from God. There, there's nothing good about death. I mean, it's just, that's not what God wants. But the next blank would be, to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. It's life and peace completely in Christ. Lord, I want to be Spirit-controlled, Spirit-centered, Spirit-filled. Lord, that's life. That's abundant life. That's not only eternal life. That's abundant life. Lord, I want to fix, uh, I'm preoccupied with the things of the Spirit. And when I do that, there's a, uh, he talks about life and peace. There's an inner tranquility. There's a peace in the heart the, the fear of judgment and death is gone. Those that are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Is that not great news, church? So I don't have to fear anymore. Perfect love. It casts out all fear. I don't have to be controlled by this fear. Lord, I want to trust you. Lord, it's a fully satisfied experience. Lord, I want to run to the spirit things. I want to run to the throne of Christ. This morning when we did that marvelous song, Revelation song. I pray you took a journey. That's what our worship team wants you to do every week. They want you to encounter Jesus. You're saying, well, it's very pleasant to listen to. I, I love the band. I love the vocals. I love this. That's all great. But I hope you go to the cross. I hope you go to Christ. I hope you go to heaven. I hope you go to see him, to be controlled, to be, hey, I'm a follower of you, Jesus. I want to be filled with you. I want to be controlled by you. Lord, I want more in my life. 
I'm, I'm filled with your spirit. But this sin, flesh condemned, and the spirit life, they compete. You know, it's one of the things I get excited about heaven besides seeing Jesus and seeing the apostles and knowing in full, not in part as we do now, and then seeing my loved ones that have preceded me in death, and I think of a thousand reasons I want to go to heaven. But i got to tell you another reason this morning. I get tired. Does anybody here get tired? Physically, I get tired. My body wears out. And as you get older, your body really wears out. And people are like, and your spirit, it gets tired. And one day, we're going to sit down and we're going to cease our labors from this earth. And we're not going to have to toil by the sun and the labor anymore. And we're going to rule and be a joint heir with King Jesus. And it's going to be all made right. Isn't that great news, church? And we're going to rule with him. And we're not going to fight the flesh anymore. Right now, I, could, I, could, I bet I could just start naming sins. You go, yep, I fought with that one this morning, that one, that one. Lost, lost, one, victory, lost, one. We all got them. A lot of us got the same ones. And they're common to us. And then some of us are like, man, I'm just getting beat up all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm schizo. <laughs> you, you ever thought you were schizo? Now, I don't mean that you need a medication. Just that, you know, you want to... You want to follow God, but you do this, and you, you want to follow God, and you do that. You're like, man, God, that's Romans 7. Then he moves you to Romans 8, and we'll, we're going to study it all in depth over the next three weeks. So there's this new nature. Let me just give you a verse to write down, Philippians 4, 8. Set your things in the Spirit. Set your affections above. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I love that passage from the Apostle Paul. And then Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2 in the New Living Translation, it says, And since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. You know when I really think about heaven a lot? When somebody I'm really close to dies. I think about it more than I do just on a regular common day, and I bet you do too. Of course, when people die, then I think, are they in heaven? Did they put their faith and their trust and they had a relationship with Jesus, not religion? And then when they did, I'm like, wow, I get to see them again. And then I think, man, I wonder what that's like. And, you know, you just begin to think about the next life and realize this isn't it. I mean, I don't know about you. Does, do do y'all cut your grass? Sometimes, okay. Do you edge? Do you work around the house? Do you do, 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 you do stuff or you just go in and eat bonbons and put your feet up and people take care of you? No, okay. Aren't you excited that one day we get to quit all that stuff and we get to rule with the king in complete joy and peace and no struggle? Does anybody get excited about that? You're like, yeah. It's like vacation forever. Except it's so much greater because it's the fullness of God. It's the presence of Christ. We're raised with him. What I put in my mind, think about it, in this old nature, the flesh, what we put in our mind, man, it has an effect, it, it, you know, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out, you know, what I put in my mind, television, movies, what music, whatever, I, I sit on it, this helps affect my flesh, but then I begin to put the spiritual things, and I put the word, and I begin to pray, and I begin to do the things of the Lord, so those, those natures, they, they just compete. You know, I, I've been talking about this for, for years, and sometimes I think I've made some progress, and other times I've not. Progress is called sanctification, we'll probably talk about that next weekend. There's a, there's a gravitational pull. Um, um, right, let's just be real honest. Men, there, there's a gravitational pull for us. 
a woman walks in and she's real curvy, there's a, a pool. Don't, don't say amen. I don't want you to get slapped right now. I just want you to sit there, okay? I started not to use that, but I want to be real, okay? There's a gravitational pull for men. You're like, yeah, man, why'd you name that one? Because almost every man I talk to, they, they struggle with that. There's, a, there's another gravitational pull. Uh, this morning, our student pastor that's very slim and has metabolism at 9,000 miles an hour, it's not even right, but I walked by him up there at the corner a minute ago, and he was eating the biggest chocolate donut right in front of me. And you don't realize there was this gravitational pull. My, my, my mouth wanted to just let down on it. I wanted to eat it. And I said, no, I have to resist it. I have to go preach. And when I eat sugar, y'all know it. And I'm really A-D-D-D-D-D, you know. And, uh, and I said, no. So you, you could just fill in the blank. Our flesh has pull. And you gravitate to it. That's when you got to feed the spirit. Did, does anybody understand my illustration this morning? We've all got pull. And yet... We need the pull of Christ. We need the pull of the Spirit. So, Lord, begin to do that in new ways for us. We get pulled toward whatever it is. Lord, our condition is hopeless without you, the, the carnal mind. But there's five things that happen to the flesh. Let's go up to that section. Number one, the flesh can't be changed. The, the flesh just is not able to be changed. I like Romans 8, 3. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. The, the flesh, it might have an improvement program, but it just doesn't work. So the flesh can't be changed. The second thing, the flesh can't be reformed. You can't reform the flesh. I mean, you, you can try to, you can try to dress it up and, and blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is, you and I don't need a reformation. Write this down. You need crucifixion. You and I don't need a reformation of our flesh. We need a crucifixion. I need to die. You need to die. I need to deny myself, pick up my cross, follow Christ. The third thing is the flesh can never be trained. The flesh is stubborn. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The flesh is hard, man. It's just stubborn. It doesn't listen. It's incapable of being corrected, of being amended. It's just it's nothing good in the flesh. Look at the fourth one. The flesh can't be improved. It just doesn't. It's always going to be opposed to God. It's going to be opposed to the, the presence and the peace of Christ. And then I'll give you the fifth one. The flesh cannot be reconciled to God. Our flesh doesn't get reconciled to God. Our spirit does. So the, so the flesh isn't a good thing here in, in that sense. It's like, all right, God, so uh, the person dominated by the flesh, you're dominated by the spirit. You're in the flesh, you're in the spirit. You're, you're none of his, you're all of his. I mean, I could go through all these things from the book of Romans about who we are in Christ. And that's, that's the good news of the gospel this morning. I just want to share that, that we have a relationship, we have guidance. There's no supernatural guidance, there's all kind of guidance in the Spirit. I'm talking to people that want to be led. And they want to be led by the Spirit of Christ. And they want the Lord to come. They don't want to be absorbed by self any longer. And So, fill it in here. Move back down. I, I jumped around, I'm sorry. Our response, verses 9 through 12. There is a response that he calls for, for you and me. And, and Lord, I want to make sure that I'm in Christ. I want to make sure you're in Christ, that you're indwelt by Christ. That, that's, that's the purity of, of what Christ wants. You, you concentrate on him, you put to death the deeds of the flesh, and you put on Christ and the power of the resurrection. And you just walk in resurrection favor and resurrection power, and you're controlled. And, and then there's a, a true identity. Your identity is Christ. I know these spiritual truths, but I still have a hard time because my flesh fights my spirit. My identity is I'm a child of God. I am born again. I am sealed and marked with the Holy Spirit. I'm filled with the Spirit. I am God's Son. I know my position. I'm in Christ. Do you know your position today? Are you in Christ? 
That's your true identity. You're not, no, my identity, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm a homemaker, I'm a teacher, I'm a salesman, I do this, I do that. Man, those are great. Those, those are part of who you are, but your identity, ultimately, who are you? My identity is Christ. That's what gives victory. Lord, I have to find myself all the time running back to the cross, finding this is who Jesus says I am. Because the world and the devil tells me all kinds of things, and, and they're contrary to what Christ says. So I have to ref reflect on the magnitude of God and the change that he wants to bring. I, I just got a quick question. How fresh is this work of grace in your heart this morning? Are you telling others about what Christ is doing in you? Is that a story for you? Are, are, you, are you keeping the joy of the Lord fresh in your life? Because you're loving Jesus more, you're growing in his grace and his riches and his knowledge. And you're living in community. We just finished a semester of life groups. And I, please, I beg you, in August when we start up again, please join a life group this next year. Would it be worth it, church? Be in a life group. Do life with other believers. I mean, it's one of the best things that you'll ever do. You're like, well, no, I'm an isolationist. I'm going to do it on my own. Well, we'll see how that's working for you, okay? The Holy Spirit, what does he do? He shapes us into the image of Christ. He conforms us. He, he nails us. He, here, here's what I'd say. Say no to the flesh and say yes to the Spirit. God, I want to learn to say yes more. I just want to say yes. And my flesh is like, say yes to me. It's no problem saying yes to the flesh. Anybody can do that. But it takes a man. It takes a spiritual man. It takes a spiritual woman to say yes to the Spirit of Christ. So I surrender to him. I don't have to say have you ever thought about this? You don't have to say everything you're thinking. Anybody thought about that lately? You don't have to say everything you're thinking. You could, but it would probably be wise not to. I'm reading through the Proverbs right now. I've done it for years, and I'd kind of quit reading the Proverbs, and I've just decided in the last past weeks, I'm, that's one of my disciplines in the morning, I'm just going to read the Proverbs along with other scriptures, and I love it. And it's talking about be wise, be wise, and don't be stupid, and hey, take understanding, and learn this. And I'm like, man, that's what we need. Lord, I need to kill the flesh, and I need to be wise, and I need you to lead me, and I need to say yes to you. I need to honor you. I, just write down this note real quick. What do you need to die to? I'm talking about dying to the flesh. Just ask, is there something you need to die to? Every one of us probably has at least one thing we could die to and become more like Christ. So we have an obligation to the Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want? I'm indebted to you. I'm bought with a price. I'm yours, Jesus. What do you want me to be? What do you want me to do, Jesus? I have an obligation. It's, it's, uh, it's drawing upon the resources of heaven. And, and then I, I, got to, I got to show you this. This whole thing about sonship and daughtership as he moves on through Romans and, and he talks about the true test is being led by the Spirit. This is how I know we're children of God. We're led by the Spirit of God. It, there's a pull. I talked about that gravitational pull of sin of the flesh, and there's also the pull of the Spirit. Which one is winning? I pray the Spirit's increasing and the flesh is decreasing. Lord, pull us toward you. We want to respond to you. Lord, in, in the book of Acts, Peter and John, they were, they were threatened about speaking about Jesus. They said, this we know. We can't help but speak. We can't contain what Jesus is doing. I've got to speak about the Messiah. You go, huh, that's a nice passage of Scripture. It's so much more. Christ, form us, shape us. Make us like you, Lord. We want to follow hard. We want to say yes to you. And then he talks about the spirit of sonship. Just move over to Romans 8. 
just continue down. I want you to move down there to verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. We could write in there daughtership. Girls, I don't want you to leave, be left out here. Hey, sonship, daughtership. Okay. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. I am yours, God. It's the Aramaic, Abba. Hey, um, okay, I... I if you've ever been to Israel, if you've ever been around Jews, you've ever listened to their culture, you can even say, well, I've never been there, but I watch NCIS. Okay, if, there's a point to this. There used to be a girl in there, and she was of Jewish heritage, and when her father got killed one time, I remember, it was, it was, it was right, she cried out to her, she's talking about her earthly daddy, Abba. That's who God is. He's Abba. He's Papa. He's Dada. Our our. Our granddaughter, Jeremy's daughter, I think it was her first word right at the top. She formed that. I, I, don't, I know moms. I don't understand this. We'll talk to Jesus when we get home. I don't know why your kids don't say mama. Mama, mama, because y'all do all the work. Okay, I understand that. Okay, M's are harder to form than D's. But have you ever noticed? And, and quickly she started, da, 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 Here's all I'm trying to say. In, in the scripture, we cry out, Abba, Papa. Man, that's great. Lord, I want to crawl up in your lap. I, I have the spirit of sonship. I call him Abba. That's what it means in there. I have a relationship with you. You kick in. There's grace. There's mercy. There's power. I follow you, Christ. We're, we're just beginning to walk through Romans 8, and we're going to continue next week. We're just going to continue to pick right up here. This is great stuff. That we might suffer, that we might be for the glory of Christ. I've got to say this about suffer. Paul says that I might know him, that I might know the fellowship, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering. Everybody leaves off suffering. And then I was reading here in Romans, and it never hit me before. Look what it says here. Look down at verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might share in his, in his glory. See, guys, here, here's what I know. We live in Western world, and it's hard. And we want to get the biggest house, the biggest car, the biggest promotion, the best, what, everything. Because we like consumerism. And yet there are millions of Christians this morning that don't know what they're going to eat, what they're going to live, what's going on. They've been suffering this whole life. And we're blessed for one reason, to be a blessing to God for His purpose. So this morning, but the Scripture says here we have to suffer than for his glory. So if you're in suffering, that's a good place because it brings more glory to Christ. I'm not asking, hey, man, it's all go suffer. I mean, who wants to suffer? Oh, that's hard. That, that's tough on my flesh. Well, I think that's the point. But Lord, we want to offer our sufferings. We want to offer our life that you'll be glorified. I just pray this morning, Christ is speaking to you. I mean, I, I, I'm giving you the short account. I could preach on this for hours. I have studied, I've, man, I have digested this all week. But you know what? I know this. There's a people called Christ Community, and they said they were going to read Romans with their pastor, Romans 8, every day for 21 days. I don't think I've ever given you a challenge like that. We've done a lot of things. We've read the Bible in 90 days and different stuff, but we're going to read Romans 8 straight for 21 days. It takes 5 minutes and 45 seconds. You're saying, no, it'll take me 10. It's going to take me 3. Just read it. Let's pray. Lord, it is so good to be among your people today. 
And Lord, I pray that you'll come and you'll break some chains and you'll do some things today, Lord. So right now, Jesus, these forces that are at work and they're holding us back, Lord, we want to be free. So today, Lord, I ask us to shake off the world, to break loose of the flesh, and we'd run to Jesus.